Hello and welcome to Wineskins, a program featuring reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda. Our show is sponsored by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, I will interview Monsignor Jim Culp. We will also hear more about the life of St. Andrew the Apostle and the readings for this feast of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. That and more on Wineskins. In our current issue today, we will hear from Father Michael Bolish. Joining me is Father Michael Bolish, who is the Director of Worship for the Diocese of Youngstown. Welcome to our show. Hi there, Father Corda. You know, next week begins the Advent season, and as we all know, it's four Sundays. What exactly are we celebrating in Advent? We know it's prior to Christmas, but what exactly are we celebrating in Advent? Well, Advent can be characterized as patiently waiting for the coming of Christ. And we commemorate that on Christmas when he came into our world, but it's also pointed at the coming of Christ at the end of time. And Advent is this period for us to intensely prepare for that. You know, when we celebrate Advent as Catholics, it's almost like just a prelude to Christmas, but we don't always fully understand that theologically and spiritually we're preparing for our final goal and for the final time when Christ will come again. How do we instill that within our Catholic faithful, that message? Well, that's a challenge we face because probably at no other time of the year than Advent is the church countercultural to what's happening in the environment outside the church. The time immediately before Christmas in the secular world is the big push for Christmas. And in the church, while we anticipate and look forward to Christmas, this time is really a time for us to focus on getting our life together and preparing ourselves for the eventual coming of Christ in all his glory. So it's kind of a both and period for us in the church. And how important is it for us as Catholics to celebrate Advent and not rush into Christmas? You know, there's a sense that we've got to start putting trees up or the manger scene. Why do we have to immerse ourselves in the Advent season before we enter into the Christmas season? Well, again, this is part of the countercultural dimension of the church because in the secular world for all of the holidays, the season is before the actual holiday, the holiday comes, and then the day after, the holiday is over. In the church, the holiday comes, the event comes, and then the season follows after that. So in the church, Christmas happens, and then the Christmas season comes after the Feast of Christmas. Advent is a time to get ready for that, but it's not the season itself. And we know that the color of Advent is purple, so there's that penitential element that's part of it, but it's really unlike Lent. But what is that penitential element, if any, in the Advent season? Well, I think it's characterized in as, as far as our preparing ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we're preparing ourselves for the coming of Christ, an element of that is also looking at the parts of our lives that perhaps are sinful and how we might change ourselves so that we can be wholly prepared 
for Christ's arrival in our world. And I'd like to go back to some of the theme that you briefly talked about in the beginning. There's this whole sense of preparing and being watchful, but then there's also an element of being rejoicing. So that usually is celebrated on the third Sunday of Advent. Talk about how that and why is that inserted. It's just a way to anticipate the commemoration of the birth of Christ, Christ coming into our world, as well as our anticipation of Christ coming back to our world at the end of time. And the third Sunday of Advent is kind of the halfway mark towards that. And so we kind of insert just a a small element of joy, a joyful preparation, joyful anticipation, joyful waiting, which is all characteristic of the entire season of Advent. We know that the prophet John the Baptist has a lot to say in preparation for the Christ. And what can we take from his message in our own spiritual lives to prepare us for the coming and the eventual second coming of Christ? Well, John the Baptist's presence in the gospel is primarily characterized as preparation. John prepared the people for the coming of the Messiah, the revelation of Christ in their midst. And that's what the whole season of Advent is about. So John can be seen as our pivotal character following his message, just as he prepared the people at the time for Christ's arrival on the scene. John's message is a way for us to prepare for the arrival of Christ in our world that we mark at Christmas time. What would you like to tell the folks who are with us what they could do, especially in preparation during the Advent season? Well, I think, you know, it's unreasonable to say not prepare for Christmas because it's inevitable that we need to do that. But I think people each day as we get ready for the feast of Christmas can take just a moment of quiet, a moment of reflection, and just reflect on their lives. And, you know, one of the constant challenges we have as Christian people throughout our entire life is always to look at where we're at and where we need to go. And Advent's a time for us to maybe do that a little bit more intensely. Father Michael Bollish, thank you so much for your insight into the Advent season, and we wish you well, and happy Advent to you. Likewise to you. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. The Feast of St. Andrew the Apostle is celebrated on Thursday. To tell us more about this holy apostle is Elena Chepke. She is from St. Joseph Church in Austintown. The feast in honor of St. Andrew has been celebrated on November 30th since the beginning of the 5th century, according to the Jerusalem calendar. Around the year 470, a church was dedicated to him in Rome, near St. Mary Major, because he was the brother of Peter. He had been a follower of John the Baptist and was the first apostle to follow Christ. In fact, it was he who led his brother Peter to Christ. Tradition says that he preached the gospel in Greece and in the year 60 was crucified in Patras on an X-shaped cross known as St. Andrew's Cross. His relics were transferred to Constantinople in 357 and later to Amalfi, Italy in 1208, but his skull was sent to Rome in 1462. In 1964, as an ecumenical gesture, his relics were returned to Patras in Greece. There is a great devotion to him in the Byzantine church. He is the patron of Russia and Scotland. The texts for the Mass use the scarce details about St. Andrew that are found in the New Testament, 
the entrance antiphon and communion antiphon of the Mass refer to his vocation to follow Christ. The opening prayer, taken from the Gregorian Sacramentary, states that St. Andrew was called to preach the gospel and guide your church in faith. At the very outset, he made his confession of faith when he said to Peter, we have found the Messiah. Moreover, we read that Andrew left his fishing nets at once and followed Christ. Finally, in the prayer after communion, we make a reference to the suffering of St. Peter, asking that we follow his example by sharing in Christ's suffering. Live with him forever in glory. He was closely associated with Christ, and for that reason, Philip asked Andrew to speak to Christ about some Greeks who wanted to see him. The relevance of this feast is found in the Office of Readings, where St. John Chrysostom says, After Andrew had stayed with Jesus and had learned much from him, he did not keep this treasure to himself, but hastened to share it with his brother. We today are called to share our faith with others in order to build up the mystical body of Christ. The opening prayer says, Lord, in your kindness, hear our petitions. You called St. Andrew the Apostle to preach the gospel and to guide your church in faith. May he always be our friend in your presence to help us with his prayers. For Wineskins, I'm Elena Chepke. Joining me again is Monsignor Jim Culp, who is Pastor Emeritus of St. Mary's Church in Massillon, now called Divine Mercy Parish. Welcome back to Wineskins. Thank you, Father. You know, the last time you were with us, we spent some time talking about the 80th anniversary of the Diocese of Youngstown. What I'd like us to talk about now is celebrating your many years as a priest. You've been a priest for over 73 years. Yes. When we talk about priesthood in the number of years, that's really very significant. And I'd like you to talk to us about why you became a priest back then, over 73 years ago. Yes. Well, of course, my parents were devout Catholics. We lived in North Canton, attended St. Paul's Church in North Canton. And actually, we just lived a couple blocks from the church so we could hear the bells ring. My mother happened to be organist for some time. We had a marvelous grade school at St. Paul's. The nuns taught us. After going to grade school there, then they wanted me to go to high school. So closest high school was St. John's in Canton, Ohio. So uh, my brother went there, and then I went there. During high school, we had retreats each year. I was very impressed by the Jesuits who gave us our retreats, and I was interested in becoming a Jesuit priest. But uh, my cousin, Monsignor Vincent Balmet, in Cleveland, when I talked to him, he said, why don't you just become a priest in the diocese? Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what I decided to do. When I began my diocese's training, of course, it was still the Diocese of Cleveland. Then after a few months, it was the Diocese of Youngstown. So uh, I was blessed with going to Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit for some years, and then St. Mary's on Ensel Road in Cleveland for the rest, and then ordained, of course, in 1950. And my first appointment was to be an associate right here at St. Columbus in Youngstown. The bishop was Bishop Walsh. 
And among the two associates was Father Jim Malone, who of course later became bishop, and Father Tom Kelly. So uh, for uh, seven years, I uh, had the privilege of serving here at the cathedral in, in various activities and so on. And uh, then after that, Bishop Malone, Father Malone at that time, urged me to uh, get a degree in education, go to Catholic University in the summertime. So I went down there, and uh, I continued to live here at the cathedral, but taught at Cardinal Mooney High School for some seven years. I was spiritual director there. And also I taught at Ursuline. So they were very pleasant years also. What's nice is that of your over 73 years as a priest, you knew all six bishops of our diocese. Mm -hmm. And all of them had different gifts and talents and different personalities. If you had to select one word to describe the leadership here in the Diocese of Youngstown, what word would that be? I would have to use the word marvelous, just marvelous leadership. Each one of them had their own distinctive talents, but they used them for the Lord. We've been very blessed. I'd also like us to talk about vocations. We know Mm -hmm. that we live in a world, in a church, in a diocese, like many others who are experiencing fewer priests, fewer vocations. Is there a word of wisdom that you would like to share with the folks that are with us on what they can do to support and promote vocations to the priesthood. Yes, trying to think of it in one word is very difficult. (laughs) Love, I think, you know, just love. Loving God, loving their families, and loving the church, trying to grow in that love for, for the Lord. And of course, when you have a lot of love for someone, you are interested in becoming as close as you can to the lover, or that would mean, of course, being close to the Lord, receiving communion frequently. And as I say, uh, we are so blessed to have many parishes, and I think uh, if we can use them in our family backgrounds to grow in that love, it'll draw many of us to uh, serve the Lord in one way or other, and especially even in the priesthood or the brotherhood. And as I say, uh, it's just a way of giving back for what we have. And we know that God continues to issue the call to vocations in the church. People are not always reticent or they're not ready to hear the call. What can young men, young women do to be open to the spirit or open to the call of where the Lord is trying to lead them especially in ministry in the church. Any advice for young people? Yes. My advice would be to have some special time during the day to pray, to have some quiet during the day, and to pray as much attention and love as possible. I think that's a great help. And then, of course, being close to the parish. There are some marvelous programs on television and radio that can help us. Well, you've certainly been a promoter and supporter of Catholic media and Catholic communications. And I think the church now uses those different forms of social media to get out the word. Why is it important for us individually to be bearers and heralds of that good news that the Lord has entrusted us with? I think just not keeping everything to ourselves when we hear something interesting on Catholic radio or Catholic television to uh, speak to others about it and to help others to have that great interest that we have ourselves. And as you look back on 
over 73 years as a priest. What do you give God blessings for? I just say, thank God. God is good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm so appreciative of, of the graces God has given to me and the health and the friendships and naturally the gift of faith. What was the greatest blessing that you have ever had as a priest? I would say that the greatest blessing would be having Mass and being blessed with Pope John Paul II. I had the privilege of, you know, having my picture taken with St. John Paul II and also uh, with St. Teresa, Mother Teresa. appreciate that too. But to be there with the Pope, that was very, very interesting. Well, Monsignor Jim Culp, you've lived a a long, blessed life. We ask the Lord to continue to bless you with health, with good things, and also we celebrate your priesthood of over 73 years. We ask the Lord to bless others through you and all of those that you have touched, those you have baptized and married and buried and anointed and celebrated with. We know that they thank you for the ministry of your priesthood. Well, thank you for inviting me to be with you, uh, Father Cor- For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. To receive more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. The Catholic Echo is the media arm of the Catholic Diocese of Youngstown, and it seeks to inform and entertain Catholics in our six-county diocese by forging stronger connections to our parish communities and highlighting the many blessings of Catholic life in our region. If you have a story idea for the Catholic Echo magazine, podcast, or website, send an email to catholicecho at youngstowndiocese.org. We'd love to hear your ideas. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Our song today is by John Michael Talbot. It is from his CD entitled, Table of Plenty. shall cross the barren desert, but you shall not die of thirst. You shall wander far in safety, though you do not know the way. You shall speak your Blessed are you that we 
Our scripture reflections for this feast of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, will be by Deacon Kevin Bertleff. In my career before I entered the seminary, there was a time when we partnered with a leadership coach. One of the instruments I remember the leadership coach using in one of our sessions was what I would call the pie of life. It was a diagram that looked like a pie chart, and there were many slices. The slices included work, physical health, family life, friendships, faith, fun and recreation, personal growth, etc. The diagram had different size slices and you could prioritize the different areas of your life in various spots accordingly based on necessity and desire. There is a problem though with this particular version of the pie of life. And the problem is that our faith is never meant to be a slice at all. It is not meant to be a part of our life. Our faith cannot be merely a slice of the pie that we give a certain amount of attention and time to and then move on to the rest of life. Our faith has to be the crust of the pie, the, really the dough, surrounding, enveloping, and ingrained in every aspect of our lives. Today we celebrate the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe. It's interesting to me how we celebrate this great feast at the end of every liturgical year. The liturgical year, in a sense, is this great movement, this great procession. And at the end of this procession, where we find ourselves today, is the great King, Jesus Christ. And the question this great celebration beckons us to ask ourselves, is Jesus Christ the King of my life? 
Can we sing boldly with confidence and with the psalmist that the Lord is our shepherd? There is nothing we shall want. Is Jesus Christ merely a slice of the pie? Or is he the one who envelops the whole of our lives? We draw near to the close of the liturgical year with this challenging and probing question. If Christ is not the king of the whole of our lives, then we are not living our faith properly. We aren't truly living it. If Christ is the king of our family life, then it means that we treat every member of our family with the dignity and respect they deserve as one who is created in the image and likeness of God. It means we do not use someone for our own advantage. It means that we love as Christ loves. If he is the king of our lives, we will love and always desire the good of the other. If Christ is the king of our work life, our career, then it means that we will avoid work that has any sense of immorality. It means that we will stand up with a voice of truth and reason when there is something going on at work that is contrary to the gospel. It means that we will live our faith authentically in the workplace where we seek opportunities to evangelize others. If Christ is the king of our personal life, then it means that We should have confidence in doing all that we do as if Christ were right beside us, accompanying us along the way. In the ways we find relaxation and comfort in the midst of the busyness of life, would we feel comfortable doing it if Jesus was right there beside us? To say that Christ is the King is to say that Christ is the Lord of the whole of our lives. Does everything belong to Him? What parts of life do we keep from him the most? May we invite him this week in prayer into those parts. May we recognize his presence with us always. May we proclaim with confidence with the psalmist today, the Lord is my shepherd, the shepherd and king of the whole of my life. There is nothing I shall want. For Wineskins, I'm Deacon Kevin Burleff. We are all part of the same family. We all belong to the fellowship of the needy. None of us is self-sufficient, no matter how hard we try at times. Who are the needy? I am. You are. Everyone is. Today I may help you, but tomorrow I may need help from you. We are all members of the same family, sharing our love, sharing our resources, and sharing our needs. Wineskins is made possible by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. The program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda, wishing you a blessed Sunday and a safe week. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife, and it cracked her up. But she's still laughing. (laughs) What have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity. But for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? 
you can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to PovertyUSA.org today. Because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.